Welcome everyone to week eight of the Left Coasters podcast. I am Tony Cavallo and I'm with Matt D'Angelo Antonio and Brian Balzarini and we are here breaking down the week that just happened, looking forward to the week in the NFL. And we actually have a special guest here today. Thomas Jones-Wortham is coming in a little bit later to give us his uh, insights on the other two hometown teams that are just starting their season, the Los Angeles Lakers and the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, as always, you can reach us at the Left Coasters Podcast at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at the Left Coasters Podcast. It's been quite a week, guys. Quite a week in the NFL. You can also like us on Facebook now as well. That's true. We have a, we Facebook, have a Facebook page now. and we need more. We, we need more likes. I think it was eight as of uh, this That's morning okay. when I took a look at it. We're hey, we're still sort of a fledgling Facebook page, but please go like our page, and uh, we'll be posting. More to it as uh, there are more people who can see the shit that we post. And this podcast is growing and growing. We get more listeners every week. We're going forward. We're going to be having more and more guests as we go forward. Become more and more professional and less garage bandy. But uh, we're happy to have you guys here, our listeners, our left coasters sitting at home. As always, we'll be doing the recap right now, the Rams section in the middle with the NBA column. And uh, at the end, we'll give you our picks. And we uh, have a new leader in the picks, which we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, I'll give you a hint. It's not me. <laughs> no, Dangles, you got a long way to go. I wonder who it could be. But guys, we had such a topsy-turvy week in the NFL. What's up is down, what's down is up, and the Cleveland Browns still stink. We had a Thursday night game where Green Bay won having no running back on the team, and Brian Hoyer broke his left arm. We had a game uh, that went 3-3 three to three in regular time, 6-6 six to six in overtime, Ugly. with both teams missing a field goal that was less no, no, than no. an extra point. No, 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 no. Let's, let's, correct, let's, let's correct the record here. Here. Not both teams, both kickers. Yeah, there was one. There, the, the game it, at each point rode on the shoulders of one man who was paid by the team to do one thing, <laughs> and that is kick balls through posts. You have one job, and, and neither man apparently could get that done this past uh, this past Sunday. It was a crazy week, and then also we stepped over into London with the Rams, and they played one of the worst football games I've ever seen. I'm pretty sure NFL is no longer going to be in London because of this game, including Case Keenum on the last last play of the Rams' survival, throwing up a ball to, to Dominique Rogers-Cromati that, uh, spoiler alert, Dominique's on the other team, and he, I think, I think guys with this case interception, I think he tried to throw it up so high that Dominique would overthink it and drop the ball. I think that was the planning on that, but still, Dominique ended up keeping his concentration, catching the ball, and the Rams lost the game. Guys, crazy week in the NFL. What stuck out to you the most out of this absurdity that happened in week seven? That I was insane enough to wake up at 6.30 a.m. Pacific time so that I could see the kickoff of the, the Rams game that you just mentioned against the Giants. Boy, I, I you know, for the first half of that game, and I picked the Giants to win that game last week in our pick section. And for the first half of that game, I felt great. I'm sitting there with my cup of coffee, with a big old grin on my face. I'm going to rub these guys' face in it next week when I get to the podcast. I was right. They were wrong. And then and then Case Keenum, again, It's this, we're seeing the same thing every week. He plays very well. He gets a bunch of yards. He, he's able to throw a couple of touchdowns. And then it's just little mistakes, little mistakes. He threw four interceptions, two of which you can argue weren't his fault. Mm-hmm. But four interceptions, you're not going to. It's very difficult to win games when you turn the ball over four times. Brian, what stuck out to you, bud? What stuck out to me was the uh, San Diego Chargers, Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, that was a big, big win. Nobody would have sold me on that. Possibly la- a season saving win for San Diego. And, and that puts them at a two game winning streak, which, yeah. which I've been watching since marrying them a couple weeks back. 
but that whole division is is impressive beyond belief, and and I'm and I'm very very surprised that they went in and dealt Atlanta a big big L. And they won the game the way they've been losing games, and that's coming back in the fourth quarter to almost steal it at the end. They've been in every game, but that, to turn the culture around that that close game and then losing and and switching to a win is a huge huge momentum switch for that team. And with a division that's super competitive right now, you know they're only two they're only two or three games out, you yeah. know at worst. So you you can see that switching that tide switching and now we're watching divisions with just overall solid solid play while other divisions are falling falling behind i'll tell you what stuck out to me and that was the game that houston played against denver because uh brock osweiler in his return to denver a team that almost paid him a boatload of money to be their quarterback and brock osweiler played like a dink he his box score was 22 for 41 for 131 yards so if you complete 22 passes and only get 131 yards, that's a terrible Against average. Against your old team, a team that you know the personnel so well, yeah. you can't tell me you, you don't have some advantage in that category. And they knew him. It just doesn't add up. I mean, other to, than, and then to anything else, then he stinks because he's got a very <laughs> solid offensive line. Yeah, he's got nothing, good, he's got nothing to complain good about. Good offensive line. Great receivers. Lamar Miller has been solid out of the backfield. He has one of the strongest young receiving cores in the NFL. Absolutely. The only thing that I can think of, all the pieces, it would seem, if Case Keenum had all of those things, we'd be doing so, It'd be a different conversation. so well, I, don't know about I think. That. I, think. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think so. I, I think Brock Osweiler is that that inept right now and he doesn't look confident when he gets back into the pocket I don't feel confident that, that ball's going where it needs to you know I remember when he was in Denver at the very end of the season and after he left Denver for Houston hearing that uh, from a lot or, or reading rather that a lot of his teammates had made comments about how difficult he was as a teammate and that he kind of divided way? some that he was I guess you know, stand maybe a little standoffish, and and he mm. he might have been a little maybe a little selfish. I don't know. I don't know the guy. Maybe he, I'm sure he's a. Perfectly and what was good John Elway's one of his comments was that uh, sometimes you, the best deals you make are the ones you don't. Well, yeah, and and I th- well I, I think that's a good point. I mean, you know, who knows better? He knew, he knew something. Who knows? Who knows better than Elway? So I mean, it clearly worked out well for them dealing him away at Houston because now they've got who would seem to be their future quarterback if he continues to be consistent and not get hurt in Trevor Simeon. I have to say, Elway's coming out of this uh, offseason looking like a genius. Absolutely. Looking like an absolute genius. And you can see the difference in Trevor Simeon and Brock Osweiler and the type of quarterback that they are in in their skill set. Brock Osweiler is not made for an O'Brien offense. You can kind of see that now. He's not a a pick-him-apart-with-your-big-arm kind of guy. O'Brien's a a disciple of Belichick and runs a very similar offensive playbook with those small, short, crisp passes— That'll eat you up over the course of time, and then occasionally he'll come out and surprise you with a long ball and hit you right on a post exactly. and, and make you look stupid. But Osweiler's not that kind of guy. No, he's not. And he, even though he has the tools to be that kind of person in in Houston in his wide receiving core with DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller and Jalen Strong, but he just for whatever reason hasn't been able to put it together. And now Houston falls to four and three. They still lead the division, but only one game above the Tennessee Titans and the Indianapolis Colts, who both sit at three and four. Uh, Jacksonville at two and four, having the bye week. Um, that division's getting a little tight, and you guys did kill the Indianapolis Colts in our first week of gravestones. They could be the division leader as early oh, as next yes. week. They're not going anywhere. But uh, as we sit here and look at the division, let's start off in the AFC, guys. We're gonna take out the Mary Fuck Kill right now. I'm gonna give you guys all the divisions: the uh, AFC East, AFC North, AFC South, AFC West. And I want you guys to marry, fuck, kill the divisions, uh, the divisional strengths to be exact. Which four teams 
are the best four teams in the AFC when they're all put together. Because the records might be different, but they do all play each other and bruise each other enough. Marry, fuck, kill the AFC for me, bright guy. I think we can all agree that the AFC South is a dumpster fire. Yeah, that's that's an easy kill. We I'll can, choose them for my kill as well. Can yeah. we get that out of the way? Yeah, Let's just make get that out of the way. way. Uh, just to touch on it real fast, I don't see any one of those teams surprising us with a late-season run either. Yeah, it just goes to show you not all division deserves to put a team in the playoffs. Well, I think we just, as we just discussed, Houston's 4-3 and three record does not reflect the team that they actually are, and I think it's very evident that not only their offense is not clicking, but their defense is sorely missing J.J. Watt. Yeah, they are. Yeah. So, all right, so let's go, Mary. So, uh, Mary, I'm going to take the AFC West. There's a r- decent chance that three teams could go to the playoffs out of that division. With That'd Oakland. be impressive. Wouldn't that be amazing? But Oakland, Denver. Kansas City are looking really good. In fact, let's see. Non-conference, a- uh, Oakland is one and one. Uh, Denver is two and one, and Kansas City is one and zero. Oh. And by the way, San Diego at three and four is one and one in non-conference after beating. They're kind of scary. There's still a lot to be seen out of that division. Who's going to be number one, two, or three? But I, I, there's a really good chance three teams come out of that. So you're going to marry the AFC West Dangles. That's leaving out your team, the New England Patriots. Are you who are you going to marry? Well, you know, and that's tough because the New England Patriots. I think if you gave, if you look. Uh, or if I were to make power rankings right now, they're the number one team in football. That's, and I would agree. That's fact. I, I would agree. That's, I think that's a fair assessment. Tom Brady does not look like there's any signs that he's slowing down. And, um, I mean, they're just the strongest team in the NFL. I, the problem with choosing the AFC and, and, and what kind of hitches me up as I think about it is the fact that, the t- that the, A, the Jets are so bad. Even though they did uh, stick out a very good win this week, Matt Forte looked like Matt Forte again. Yeah, they did. And they beat the Baltimore Ravens, who are now on a four-game losing skid. Let's talk about it. Things, fire. things Absolutely. are bad in Baltimore, gentlemen. Um, so, but but the Dolphins, however, uh, two 200-yard games from Jay Ajayi. Uh, Ryan Tannehill's still <laughs> terrible. And the Buffalo Bills, they, yes, lost LaShawn McCoy uh, this past weekend. Um, they have to go to Mike Gillisley now. I think I'm still going to pick the AFC East. I think I'm there marry. with you. I think I'm there with you. New England is the best team in the league, and the New York Jets are the shittiest team. Uh, might it's be the New shittiest England team in the conference at the least. Though. New England is that good. Yes, okay, they so they're that good. But the, but would you take any of those three other teams, Buffalo, Miami, New York, over any of those four teams? I will say uh, Buffalo. In the, in the AFC West. None will, of their seasons are lost. Exactly. I will say Buffalo is a scary team, especially when that offense gets clicking. And Miami has shown in the last two weeks that if they can run the ball on the two teams that they ran the ball on, they can run the ball on anybody. And if you run the ball on the later part, sure. portion of the season, you can make a I run. go back to my, my question, however. AFC West, do you take any four of those teams? Oakland, Denver, Kansas City, San Diego. Do you take any of those three teams other than the New England Patriots and pick them over any one of the, any four of those teams? Not Oakland and Denver, but yes, Kansas City and San Diego. Who You're taking Buffalo? I am. Yeah, and, and Miami in a Kansas City game, depending on where you are, I could take Miami as well. Ah, it's it's a tough game, uh, but we're, we're all in agreement that we're killing the uh, AFC South. Let's jump over to the NFC, and we're going to start with you, Diggity Dangles. Marry, fuck, kill between the NFC East, NFC North, NFC South, NFC West. I think I'm going to marry the NFC East. I mean, you just take a look at the teams that are that are, that are are here. Dallas is on a five-game winning streak. Philadelphia, yeah, they just... Uh, Oh, I don't know. Beat Minnesota, best the, in the league, only, yeah. the only the best defense in the, the brother, the best team we in the forgot, league. We the, forgot. Hold on, I don't mean to interrupt you, but we forgot to pop the corks. Is never this this season is not the season where that sixteen and zero New England Patriots get matched up. New no. England, pop the corks, baby. Your sixteen and zero lives on for another year. Congratulations. Yeah, 
hopefully we'll be the ones to break our own record. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to marry the NFC East. I think it's pretty evident. I mean, you know, Washington at four and three, the giants at four and three, just coming off a win. Uh, Washington did just lose a tough one to Detroit. I'm sure you're not that upset about it, Brian. No, no, um, no. <laughs> not the game that they should have won. Like Washington, every game comes down to one mistake at the end, whether it goes their way or not. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. I just, I, it's, it's so hard to watch that team and like pick them every, I hope I, I notice you never bet on the Redskins on Sunday because they're so unpredictable yeah. as a franchise in the NFC. Hasn't, so I, hasn't helped me yet. I'm going to marry the NFC East. Uh, I think I am going to fuck the NFC North. Um, I think that outside of Chicago, the other three teams, I like what I've seen out of the other three teams in that in that division. That's the thing. Um, all, uh, Detroit, Green Bay, Minnesota, and all the NFC East teams all sit at four and three or better. So they all have wild card potential. Brian, before we get to Dangles' kill, let's jump to you. Are you marrying the uh, NFC East as well? No, I'm not. I'm going to flip it. Good, all great things. But the one thing I, I keep looking at in the NFC North is – how Detroit beat both the Eagles and the Redskins. Exactly. And I think the Detroit Lions, out of the three teams in the NFC North, Minnesota, Green Bay, and Detroit, are the, are the lesser of the three. And they 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 did a nice job taking Philadelphia uh, off their bye week and their undefeated record and beat them, as well as gave the Washington Redskins a, you know, a, a close match and a, and a win. I, I, I see how top-heavy, in my opinion, I think the NFC North is with Minnesota and Green Bay. I take Minnesota and Green Bay over most of those teams a lot. I know, I again, I know the Minnesota Vikings just lost to the Eagles. And but Green Bay lost to Dallas two weeks ago. Sure. I think Dallas is that good. I yeah. think I think I, I, I do, too. I think, they, I think they are the best team in the NFC right now. Sadly, I do, too. So, But I still Congratulations, think... Congratulations, Danny. I still think, and Steven, I think the best teams in the NFC North beat the NFC East uh, the three out of the four teams more often than not with the Eagles Redskins and Giants and we'll be able to find out by the end of the season whether that holds true because the NFC North and the NFC East play each other this year which is always fun yep. when the two best divisions in the NFC get to beat each other up all season and I think Minnesota the reason the main reason we'll talk about this maybe a little bit more but with Minnesota with Jake Long proving to be horrendous at They're left in tackle they 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 had some major major injuries and they looked only to piece it together at in the third fourth quarter yeah when it was in all trouble, too late man. they shifted things around in the offensive line by then the score was out of hand and they couldn't get back into it i mean we saw what i've been calling for if minnesota has to score points to win a game they're in trouble they need to win Absolutely. these games 19 to 16 and that defense gave them a shot there was a lot of turnovers in that game so again going back to the original question i still think the nfc north however comes out on top with the likes of minnesota green bay and detroit all right, Dangles, who are you killing out of the NFC South and the NFC West? Yeah, I'm going to kill the NFC South. Um, I think it's pretty evident why the teams are not very strong. I, I mean, New Orleans, uh, New Orleans is is in a, in trouble. New Orleans is in trouble. They I have think. a great offense, but again, a terrible leaky defense. Yeah, they're they're in trouble. I don't like. I mean, the Carolina Panthers. I think they have. Well, I mean, I should have been saying this last last week, but they have one game left, I think, to possibly salvage their season. Because if Cam Newton comes out of this bye week and plays absolutely out of his mind for the rest of the season, it's entirely possible that they could win seven, eight straight games if they get their act together and be in a position where they could be pushing for a, a, a wild card, card spot or maybe even that division. Because That's I don't true. see anybody else coming out right now. Atlanta's looked very vulnerable the last two weeks, even though they did get jobbed out of that Seattle game on a non on a no call that should have been on uh, Richard Sherman, uh, and then of course losing this past week. So. Uh, you know, I, I think I'm going to kill the NFC South. They're just not a strong division. But Brian, you have a look on your face that says to me that you don't agree. Uh, it's I'm looking at all the information and and thinking really hard. I just both those conferences suck. 
and I and here's why. When you look at the NFC West with Seattle, Arizona, Los Angeles, San Fran, as you'll learn, I'm not really high in Los Angeles right now, and we'll it talk shows. more about that, right? But San Francisco's bad, really bad, and in Arizona right now, I, I mean, I picked them to win the Super Bowl. They're not showing me anything. No, they're not right now. Carson Palmer looks awful. I, I, when he I, plays, right when he's healthy, but you know, I I just don't see the defense living up to what a lot of people hoped they would they would you know yeah and be Seattle able to put on together. the other side like Arizona stuffed them Arizona should have won that game absolutely Seattle, Seattle was playing very poorly they had five first downs the whole regulation that's terrible so I I mean to me I'm looking at Atlanta at four and three and then I'm looking at Seattle and Arizona at four and one and three and three respectively I don't know how Atlanta's been winning beautifully but somehow still only has a four and three record you know how yeah was it yeah. Bill Parcells coined the thing like you're not you're not always what your record says that's very and, true and to me the Atlanta Falcons don't look like their record and Seattle and Arizona sure shit don't either so I, I'm probably going to go with the South too because I think Atlanta is better than their record um, but I, I have more faith in New Orleans coming back at 2-4 and four than watching the Rams or the San Francisco 49ers do anything with their season. Yeah, they got the offense to do it. Not sure if they can do it. I'm probably going to sick with Dangles and marry the East and uh, fuck the North and I'm probably going to kill the South just because New Orleans and Carolina to me aren't teams that are going to be fighting for anything. Uh, but before we move on to our gravestone, guys, this is our last podcast we'll be recording before the trade deadline. Now, the trade deadline is November 1st. The NFL trade deadline is usually not too eventful, but there's already been a trade this week. Uh, the New England Patriots made a move to get a starting linebacker out of Kyle Van Noy from the Lions. They traded a six-round pick to Detroit and got Kyle Van Noy and a seventh-round pick. Interesting trade, Brian. It's very odd. Um, Kyle Van Noy, for all those who don't know him very well, he is a third-year man out of BYU. Um, came into the Lions as a second-round pick. Had a lot of lot of potential. He was the Independent Conference Defensive Player of the Year. He had his hand in the dirt, played really well defensive end, but was also that kind of hybrid outside linebacker, which doesn't fit the Lions' scheme, but they felt like they could convert him to a full-time outside linebacker and get a lot of production on him, and it just never happened, along with injuries. Well, he's a welcome addition to the Patriots' defense with Jamie Collins missing due to injury, Rob Ninkovich missing due to injury, uh, Don to Hightower has been filling some time and playing well. Playing uh, unbelievable. Playing very, yeah. very well. Getting to the passer a lot, a lot for the Patriots defense. So uh, a guy like him who's a former second-round pick just a couple years ago, welcome to the team. I hope, I hope I'm hope, i sure uh, Belichick will find a way to and work. And New England's known for taking those guys and turning them into gems. They really do. Uh, any other trades as we hit this deadline? There's a couple of teams that are floundering that would be looking to get rid of people. San Fran has a left tackle and Joe Staley that could be moving. Cleveland. Cle- Cleveland has said that they're not trading Joe Thomas, but I don't believe it. They Hayden is up for grabs. Joe as Hayden, well. that would be a steal if anyone could get Joe Hayden, a very good cornerback. No. Anybody poking your eye out here? While we're on the subject of offensive tackles, I wanted to ask you about the possibility of the Packers trading Brian Balaga. No shot. You don't think so? No shot. We don't have a replacement, and uh, they didn't have a hard time replacing Josh Sitton. Sitton got he, out he got out of there, quick. and everything was just fine. Bakhtiari has been playing Bakhtiari's very, very great, well for but, you guys. Uh, the, the draft pick Jason Spriggs is not ready to play NFL ball, and uh, Green Bay still has playoff and Super Bowl hopes. They're not going to trade this Stratton right tackle for a running back. They're not. It's not going to happen. Um, not but I do value. think. I don't think they're going to get enough value, but I do think those bottom feeder teams could make a move to a playoff team. Also, do we see any backup quarterbacks get traded? What's Jimmy Garoppolo doing? That's the other one I wanted to bring up and pose to you guys because this is very, very interesting, I think. So we've seen what Tom Brady has done this year. He's 39 years old. He's signed to the Patriots through 2019. That'll make him 42, 43 by the time his contract is up. 
he's showing no signs of slowing down. Jimmy None Gar- whatsoever. We got a flash of Jimmy Garoppolo in the first two games of the season before he went down with that AC joint injury, and he looked as good as any rookie quarterback you could possibly ask for. For the Patriots, I mean, if somebody comes at them with a first-round pick That'd be, and maybe yeah. even more, you know, a, a late rounder or or a second stringer, so I, I don't know. But if they come with a first-round pick, I, I I can see that being a possibility. And don't be surprised if that were to happen because uh, a little forecast, of course, but the NFL draft right now does not have any top-tier quarterback talent coming out, and there are some QB-needy teams when you're looking at the bottom of the league right now with Chicago, San Francisco, uh, and Cleveland. So you're looking at bottom teams that need the quarterback, and if it's not coming out in this draft, go big and get those guys that uh, are sitting behind a Tom Brady who have been maturing. you got a chance to win some games if you pick up a guy like that. Yeah, especially a Cleveland who's now on their sixth quarterback of the season, which is insane. Just poor Cleveland. At least you have the Cavaliers. Um, and the Indians in the World Series, Mark. You. All right, let's move on to our Gravestones before we wrap up the recap section. Again, guys, Gravestones is a game. We made it. We collectively made a dead pool of six teams. These six teams are certain to not make the playoffs. That's Chicago Bears, Jacksonville Jaguars, San Fran 49ers, Miami Dolphins, Cleveland Browns, and New York Jets. Miami has strung uh, together two wins in a row, but for the sake of the game, they're staying in our dead pool. And then every week we pick one team to add to the dead pool, a team that we believe will not make the playoffs. Uh, the first week we did this, I added San Diego. The other two added Indianapolis. The next week, me and Brian added Carolina Panthers and Dangles killed the New York Giants, who are now at 4-3. and three. Now, if any one of these teams that we kills happens to make the playoffs, we do not get a point for them at the end of the season. The time has come, guys. Who are we choosing to kill off this week? Dangles, I'm going to shoot it over to you first, buddy. Well, this was a tough decision because there, I think, are a couple of teams that could be up for uh, contention uh, to be added to, the, to our dead pool. Um, but I am giving my gravestone this week to the Baltimore Ravens. Ooh. Four in a row. And on a four-game losing skid with an offense that just looks among the worst in, in the NFL, Joe Flacco, I don't know what happened to you, buddy, but you you have lost whatever it was that won you a Super Bowl. You have lost it, sir. Maybe it's because he doesn't have receivers anymore. Steve Smith is a million years old, and he hasn't been getting much help elsewhere. Uh, no, no, help, running no help out of the backfield either, uh, just. Justin for who you know Justin Forsett got released yeah, a while with ago. The Lions. Terrence yeah. West has been there and you they know but so they're so still number 2 in their division. True. They are yeah, still number a- 2 in their division and I say this understanding that you know the Cincinnati could continue to play very poorly. And, you know, that Baltimore, who knows, maybe they pick up a wild card at eight and eight or something like that. That's going to be tough. I don't find that likely. I think that the AFC South or AFC North, excuse me, probably produces just one playoff team this year. Uh, So I'm comfortable giving my gravestone to the Baltimore Ravens. All right. We're going to go to you, Brad. All right. Well, uh, fans of the uh, Los Angeles Rams aren't going to like me very much, but I'm going to go with the L.A. Rams. I was tempted to do the same. Well, when you talk about skids, there's no team right now that is that is not already on our gravestone list that is skidding faster and more obvious than the uh, L.A. Rams. There's talk around switching out Case Keenum. I don't care who's at that helm right now, whether it's a rookie quarterback or Case Keenum. They're not getting to the playoffs. They're just not. When you look at their position within their division and then you look at their schedule, they're looking like a team right now that isn't poised to to absorb anybody and put themselves in the wild card 
conversation because they're not taking the crown from Seattle. They're not taking the crown from Arizona either. I just don't see them getting. They've beaten both those teams. Sure, but that's Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher has done that a lot. He's beaten teams that he shouldn't, and he loses to teams that he shouldn't as well. We all know how unpredictable and inconsistent he is. And and I just don't see it. There's like when you talk about teams that have identity, I can make a strong argument that Joe Flacco, a Super Bowl winning quarterback, can turn his team around faster than what Case Keenum is going to be able to going to have to do to get that team. Yeah, consistent. it's not looking good. It's not looking great. So I, I'm going to stick with the LA Rams. All right, we got the Rams on one side. We got Baltimore Ravens on the other side. My gravestone, guys, is going to one of my favorite players in the NFL, Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints. Um, that was my that was mine. If I was yeah, my second yeah. choice. I was actually between all three of the teams mentioned today. I'm sticking with New Orleans because as much as Drew Brees can do with that offense with a load of young wide number receivers. Number one number one ranked offense. And 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 their offense is good and will always be good. And Mark Ingram can run the ball. Brandon got, Cooks is incredible. Yeah, they you got see three that wide receivers. They had that was awesome. But the thing is, guys, you cannot win games 45-40 to 40 in the NFL. You have to have a defense that stops people because you're not going to be able to score all the time. If they wanted to be a playoff contender, they need to beat the teams like Kansas City. That's a team that they are built to beat, a team that can't stick with them when they're running the score up. And they're and they losing couldn't close do it. games. They couldn't do it. Uh, if Drew Brees makes one mistake in a game, that's it. They're going to lose. And... Uh, I don't think they can do enough sitting at two and four right now. I think you need to have ten wins to make the playoffs in the NFC. I don't see them going eight and two the rest of the way. So I'm sorry, New Orleans Saints fans, you're getting the gravestone. And that's it, guys. That's our week seven recap. We're gonna do the injury report next, and then we're moving on to the Rams, baby. Ram it. All right, gentlemen. So injury report. Let's start off with uh, Josh Norman going down against the Lions. Weird play. Weird. Yeah, play. he went uh, outstretched, landed on his head. Left side, I believe, went down with a concussion. And out of the game. And that's uh, it's a tough loss in that division. Next, we have Cody Kessler also going out with a concussion. So how many times has Cleveland had a quarterback start the game and not be able to finish it? It's getting tough. There was a slight silver lining to it, despite the fact that the Browns lost, and it was that the guy that came in for Cody Kessler, Kevin Hogan, ran for 104 yards and a touchdown. Kevin Hogan? He had more rushing yards than like half the starting running backs in the NFL. And let's point out, too, Cody Kessler didn't look that bad. No, so he didn't. He's looking like a competent quarterback. He looks like he knows what he's doing, so too, too bad for the Cleveland Browns, as always. Next, we have Geno Smith going down with an ACL injury. More, more salt on that wound. I New feel York. bad for Geno. I really do. I know he's not a good quarterback, but you got to feel for the guy after this, tearing your ACL in the middle of your first game back. And he didn't look bad. He had that team in contention. And then Jets, Jet fans had to come back and watch Ryan Fitzpatrick go this back into Ryan the game. This is what Ryan Fitzpatrick does, though. Like He plays shittily enough to be benched. The starting quarterback gets hurt, and then here comes Ryan right, riding into the white steed to save the day, and then he's bad again. Like, and if there's any organization that knows the ups and downs real well, it's a Detroit Lions fan. I can only imagine what New York Jets fans are experiencing yeah. right now. Um, and then next, we have good old Terrell Suggs. You got to hear this quote from Terrell Suggs. Who, who tore his bicep last week. Yeah. Ravens middle linebacker Terrell Suggs. Tore his bicep, ladies and gentlemen. And he had this to say this week when asked about his return this week, potentially, for the game. <laughs> quote, who am I? What team do I play for? I come from an era where this is just a bump in the road. This may be season ending for somebody else. But it's not season ending for a Raven. That's the ballsiest <laughs> quote I've ever heard. Where to start with that quote? If he comes back after two weeks from a torn bicep. I know what he's doing is he's comparing himself to, to Lewis. Same thing. Deer antler spray, baby. Came he right had back. Had a bad no injury and managed to take his team to the Super Bowl. So I think it's like Terrell Suggs trying to channel that Lewis. Yeah, so. well, the Ravens of today, unfortunately, are not the Ravens of yesteryear. Yeah, and real quick, I just want to mention Eddie Lacy to the IR. My Packers heart weeps. 
<laughs> Weeps. And that's it for the injury report. All right, welcome back, Left Coasters. We are here in the Left Coasters podcast. Again, that's the Left Coasters podcast at gmail.com for all you emailers. We're on Instagram at the Left Coasters podcast, and we have a brand new spanking Facebook page that you can like us on. <laughs> Facebook it is. Uh, here we are, guys. The Rams just lost a game across the pond thanks to Case Keenum and his four interceptions. They lost 17-10 to 10 to the lowly Giants. Uh, what was the big takeaway from this game, guys? Where's Todd Gurley? Where's Tavon Austin? I mean, there's two places it to must start. Be, it must be. Well, and here's a here's a third. It must be so frustrating as a defense to go out there and continually do your job and give your quarterback the football and then to just watch him take a huge shit on your collective chests. Yeah. It's just the worst. And where's the identity to this team? Like I can I can say without a doubt I know most of the identities to each and every team in the NFL. I can't put my thumb on this team. I can say to the Patriots, you know, amazing offense, you know, stout defense, great coaching all around. My Detroit Lions, firepower. Matt Stafford is going to get you through the fourth quarter every time, and you just got to you just got to put points on the board because the defense sucks. Green Bay Packers. I know Aaron Rodgers is going to be consistent, solid play from the defense, and you're going to be in it every game. I can't sit here and tell you exactly what the L.A. Rams' identity is because it's week in and week out. Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. The offense is on. The defense is off. The defense is off. That so to me, I, I couldn't exactly tell you where where to start because I'm seeing a different team every week. Yeah, last year this team had the same defense and had Todd Gurley running the ball, and they were grounding and pounding teams, eking out wins. Now they're just not being able to do that. Todd Gurley, 15 attempts, 57 yards. Uh, the mentioned Tavon Austin did have 10 receptions for the game, but only 57 yards receiving and a touchdown. And a fumble. And, yeah, and a fumble. And and a tip pass interception that was not Case Keenum's fault. Hit Tavon Austin in the hands, and then Landon Collins catches it, returns it. Excuse me, One of the most fumbles. athletic returns I've ever seen. That's two fumbles from it was the play. I think it was the play of the year so far. He made six or seven people miss, you know, a quarterback, mind you, on his way to the end zone for a touchdown. It was a great return. And he almost got yanked down and managed to spin out. He looked like a power running back. It was an it was an incredible return, but you can't like I said earlier, you can't win games when you throw four interceptions. And Offensively, it wasn't it wasn't statistically a terrible game for them. The one thing I keep coming back to here, guys, for the offense is time of possession. Thirty five minutes and three seconds that the Rams possessed the ball, and they were only able to score ten points. Yeah, they had the game in their hands. They were they were there were chances in that game, especially in the fourth quarter, where they could win. But three straight drives to end the game ended in Case Keenum interceptions. And Eli Manning didn't rip you up. Twenty-four no. for thirty-seven with no touchdowns or interceptions, no. and they held Odell Beckham Nobody to five on receptions of forty-nine yards. Nobody on that team had an explosive day. He had a touch. He had a, he had a, a decent day. Rashad Jennings ran for a touchdown, but it wasn't like it, a blow him out day. No, it was not. Absolutely not. I will say I was wrong, and I, Brian was wrong as well. The L.A. Rams started this game more prepared to play in London than the New York Giants did. They were beating them up in the first half. They fell apart later. So the coaching was there, and having them take the trip over a week early definitely helped them adjust. So in-game adjustments? It was Yeah, it was a game that fell apart. They weren't able to execute the plans that they had drawn out. They came out looking like a much stronger team than the New York Giants. And usually, they they held the defense held the Giants to 232 yards. You in the NFL, you can win a game holding so, a team to 232 yards. The defense played a good game overall. 
all. So do you think it's a morale problem? Because to me, if if they come out strong and and then the game starts getting away from them a little bit, or they're not they're they're knocking on the door, they can't they can't seal the deal, or they're making mistakes, then all of a sudden, do guys are guys putting their hands up and saying, I you think know, it, I think it's a confidence problem yeah. for Case Keenum. I really do. I think it comes down to him not being sure that he what can about lead his team. Gurley, I don't know. I know I put I pinned a lot of his his troubles on the offensive line, and I still think there's I still think there's a lot of work to be done on the Rams' offensive line because it can't just be Gurley doesn't he you don't a guy like that just doesn't stop being athletic. He just doesn't stop being able to break tackles and spin off of things. The only thing that makes sense to me is that his line isn't creating space for him to run and really turn on the Jets and get through those gaps because if he's not getting the space to move through He's not going to be able to. You, this is a guy who runs after after contact. This is a guy who makes his living off of con, off of running after contact, and he's just not getting. He's not getting. He's getting gobbled up behind the line of scrimmage before he can even get out of the backfield. But that's the thing. Like Todd Gurley, the biggest thing that's amazed me out of this whole season of pay atten- paying attention to the Rams and following the Rams is Todd Gurley has not shown me flashes of greatness at all this season, and that's something that he had last season. I don't know if it's a sophomore slump or it's the offensive line problems, but he still should be making able to make chicken salad out of chicken shit he's not doing it he hasn't run past 16 yards this entire season that's the, that's his long for the season that's his long for the season that's terrible that's on Todd so Gurley so I was going to say that to me is Todd Gurley that's not the offensive line 16 yards you should you, I mean a guy like Todd Gurley should be should be if he gets to 16 yards he should be going to 25 he's only averaging about 3 yards a, a, a game on the season so nobody's saying the offensive line is culpable in this but 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 where is Todd Gurley three with carry, these, I should say I'm sorry but where's he at in the passing game? He wasn't even on the dr- in, the, in the last drive. He wasn't even on the field. That's terrible. That's awful. So so where 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 is the coaching staff putting Gurley in positions to be successful? And where's Gurley making plays where he shouldn't? I don't see either one of them. But uh, before we move on from the Rams, because they are on the bye this week, so we have no game in the future to break down. But I gotta say, guys. This is the bye week. This is the week that you make adjustments Boy, for the season. Boy, they need it. When do you put in the number one pick? Because Case Keenum threw four picks in that game, three on the final three drives of the game. Jared Goff might be the guy that jump starts this team because they don't have any faith at the end of the game. They don't have any faith for someone to make a play. Is Jared? Is it time to see Mr. Goff suit up and start a game? Not according mm-hmm. to Jeff Fisher, it's not. He, he's continuing to say that Case Keenum is his guy and that they're going to stick with him. And you know, Jared will come in when he's ready. I I think. Yeah. What would th- you do? What would I? What would I do? I'd probably Goff. start Goff, Goff to see what it's like to see if he's really ready. Because I feel like if I'm Against an NFL coach, especially as one that's been in the league as long as Jeff Fisher, I'm going to know within two or three plays whether this kid is going to be actually able to do. And something. in two weeks, they play a putrid defense in the Carolina Panthers. But but with your logic, if the defensive or excuse me, if the offensive line is that bad, do you want a guy who's a who's a rookie? Getting his kicks in. When are we going to see him? Are we going to wait till 2017 to realize if he's an actual quarterback or not? Come on. You have to roll the dice sometimes. You picked him number no, I don't one. Disagree. And you traded up to do it. Not just that. You, you did, it wasn't just that you. I, I, that's why I. That's see, actually I, a that's good point. I, I never it. thought about it like that. You traded up trade to get up. this kid. It wasn't just we had the number one pick and we decided to take this quarterback. They went out of their way to get this kid, and he's the only quarterback out of that first round. I'm pretty sure who hasn't started yet. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. So do you give him two weeks to? I think I think it's time. Prep him. This All is right. the only time to do it right now. All right. All right, guys. Here it is. Our uh, 
our NBA talk because the Rams are on a bye. We're not going to spotlight the Los Angeles Rams. We figure you guys are a little sick of us calling for Jeff Fisher's head on a silver platter here. So oh, we're but gonna, that just never gets old, it, though. It, it, it might get a little bit old because he's still a terrible coach and always will be. But, guys, here we sit. This is the best time to be a sports fan in America because all four of the major sports are playing right now. We have the World Series, the heart of the NFL season, both the NHL and the NBA starting up. And we have... Our lovely friend from North Carolina who now lives in L.A. He is a Panthers fan, but also grew up as a Lakers fan. And we're going to dive into the two other teams that are starting up in the Los Angeles Lakers and the Los Angeles Clippers. So let's introduce everyone to Mr. Thomas Jones Wortham. TJ, take us away, buddy. Welcome to the pod. Hey, friend. Hey, guys. How Good you to have you. First off, I'd like to thank you all for having me on the Left Coasters podcast. I'm a big fan and longtime listener. And despite the slightly northeast bias that runs through the show, I appreciate the respect that has been shown to my down South Carolina Panthers during these difficult times. With the meteoric rise of Cam Newton leading us to a 15-1 regular season last year, has been a rapid, ridiculously exercise in regression, coming back down to earth and slumming it in mediocrityville. See, fellas, this right now is my favorite time of year. NFL and college football have kept us entertained for several weeks. Summer is finally over. The leaves are falling. And the temperature here in the valley has cooled off to a crisp 93 degrees. And if you close your eyes and you listen closely, a few distinct noises become audible. A rhythmic bounce against the concrete or hardwood. The squeaking of sneakers, the rattle of a chain net, the sweet swish of nylon. Yes, boys and girls, I'm talking about basketball season. Whether you prefer the hard-nosed effort and heart of the collegiate game or you lean more towards the flash and spectacle of the association, nearly every night you can flip on the old idiot box and find a game of basketball being broadcast on a channel near you. In keeping with the L.A. professional sports focus that has been established on this fine podcast, I'm here today to discuss our Los Angeles Clippers and Los Angeles Lakers and give you a preview of what to expect from the teams this season. See, I love the fact that the Left Coasters as a concept is shaped by the idea that Tony, Matt, and Brian are all transplants to Los Angeles, bringing with them a lifelong love for a non-L.A. NFL team. And on the show, they do their best to embrace the new edition of the Rams as they dive into this unfamiliar new phase of fandom. So before we get into the X and O's, I thought I'd give you a quick explanation as to why I'm a Los Angeles Lakers fan. Now, in last week's episode, Tony told us a story about watching football with his pops and playing one of his favorite video games. Both things he experienced as a young and impressionable youth, and sometimes that's all it takes to get a seat of dedication planted deep inside your soul. I got a buddy back home. Mom got him an Eagle starter jacket when he was 10. 26 years later, die-hard, lifelong Phillies fan. With him, though, I do wonder if he ever reaches a point of honesty with himself to be like, damn, Mom. All the NFL jackets and you randomly grab an Eagles one? That's like spinning a 32-bullet chamber while playing Russian roulette and on the first pull of the trigger, well, you become an Eagles fan. <laughs> <laughs> for me, the year was 1998. I was just coming off my 12th birthday and was for the first time becoming interested in the National Basketball Association. And it really all started with a questionable extension of the right arm of Michael Jeffrey Jordan, creating just enough distance between him and his defender, the poor and unfortunate soul that was Brian Russell, to hit the game-winning shot in Game 6 of the NBA Finals against the Utah Jazz in what would be the last shot MJ would ever take as a Chicago Bull. I'm going to go to the fellows real quick. You guys think that uh, shove MJ gave was a foul? Not for MJ. No, not for MJ. Not you for may MJ. call you call it on anybody else, but uh, not for the star. LeBron gets away with that today. Uh, Curry gets away with that today, and MJ got away with it back then as well. He should have. I agree. I agree. So <laughs> around that time, I started paying attention to the game, and with the Bulls being the face of the NBA, that's what I was exposed to. And for whatever reason, I ended up taking a liking to the one and only Dennis the Worm Rodman. After the Bulls championship in '98, GM Jerry Krause felt the aging team needed a complete reset. Coach Phil Jackson left, MJ retired again, the team traded away Pippen and Kerr, and they chose not to re-sign my favorite player. 
I'm not sure what it says about me that out of all the superstars, Dennis the Menace was the one I connected with, but it was what it was. The following Christmas, right before the start of the lockout short in 98-99 NBA season, I was given a 14-inch RCA TV VCR combo that I was allowed to have in my room. There was nothing I liked to do more than stay up late on weeknights, flipping between David Letterman and the West Coast NBA games on TNT. Wouldn't you know it, Rodman, taking the end of the career tour that NBA stars often do, made a pit stop in LA with the Lakers. With my affinity for Rodman and the fact that TNT broadcast more Lakers games than any other team by far, I was primed and ready to make an irrational and immersive attachment to this sports franchise on the other side of the country. What a time it was to take a liking to the Lakers as the following season they hired Phil Jackson, Kobe and Shaq finally started to gel, and they won the first of three consecutive NBA championships. So fast forward about 15 years later and I find myself moving to Los Angeles to pursue a career in film. All of a sudden, my favorite team is my hometown team, having a very different experience than what you guys do here on the show regarding the Los Angeles Rams. That's crazy, man. I remember the first time meeting you was via Skype interview. TJ uh, replaced one of my roommates and subletted a room out here. And I remember Skyping with you in North Carolina and you had a Lakers hat on, which to me, my Boston Celtics are my team. And to see you, the new roommate coming in with a Lakers hat on, I didn't know if they were going to be fisticuffs or not, but you were repping it early. It was a good start. Yeah, absolutely. So here we sit, man. We have the Los Angeles Lakers and the Los Angeles Clippers. Both teams have very different aspirations heading into this season. Where do we stand on both? I know you're a Lakers guy, but you got to have some view on the Clippers. Do the Clippers stand a chance to make noise this year? We'll see. Last year, they had a tough season dealing with some injuries. Um, obviously, the Blake Griffin uh, bar fight in Toronto with a broken hand where he that punched out the ball boy. That was crazy. Didn't help their, their season at all. Um, they finished 53-29, and 29, fourth in the West. They got ousted by uh, the Portland Trailblazers uh, overachieving team with um, some guys that are young and ready to play, and uh, they dealt with a lot of injuries. Uh, Chris Paul and Blake Griffin both went down that season, so I think health's a big issue. Yeah, um, they're an old team too. They're getting older. Uh, you know, maybe Doc has some tricks up his sleeves, but the holes and problems with that team, I don't think have been addressed. I get you. I get you. Um, and then we sit at the Lakers, who have a very young team uh, and a lot of players that I think, because I'm a huge college basketball fan, and I saw mm-hmm. these kids play in college. They got a team that could make some noise. Their win total over under sits at twenty five and a half, which is terrible. <laughs> if we're gonna be honest, twenty five wins in an eighty two game season is terrible. But I think this team could gel and have some really good chemistry. What do you think there, Tej, Mr. Laker? Uh, you know, I think people don't pay enough attention to the fact that the Lakers made a very deliberate move by signing Kobe to that big deal and treating him to that luxury. Uh, they had no intentions of winning games the last two seasons. Um, they were never going to get free agents to come play with Kobe. They didn't have the cap room for it. They wanted to be in the lottery. This is the first year with, you know, with no restrictions as far as shots going around. Kobe's not there to take 30, 40 shots. Uh, they have money to move around, and they're actually attempting to win. They're not looking to be last place. They're not looking to be in the lottery. And I think that goes understated when people discuss the win-loss record compared to last year. I think these guys are a great team. Perhaps the best offseason acquisition wasn't even a player. Was you know obviously Luke Walton coming from Golden State? That's and, true. And what do you coach. think about what do you think about him real quickly? Just as a, stepping in for Byron Scott. I but mean, Byron Scott you know, was one of the worst coaches he, in the NBA. Again, I I agree, but that was a deliberate choice. They knew they were going to have an interim coach to deal with those losses, to take the lumps for the squad, be part of the family, La Familia style, take one for the team. <laughs> I think it was all part of the master plan. They were playing the long game, and I I think Luke Walton. Uh, 
you know, he brings a lot of that nice flashy mojo coming over from Golden State. Uh, he's a former Laker himself, so he's got a lot of respect for the heritage and history of the franchise. He seems to be able to connect with the young guys, and when you have a team full of young guys, that's something that's really important. I hear you. I hear you. And also, they got one of my favorite players from college last year, their first pick in the draft, second overall, Brandon Ingram from Duke. Duke. I remember seeing him in Duke, man. And the Celtics had a chance to get a, a one of the top two picks. I really wanted Ingram. He's, he's going to be a player. What's your views on him? Uh, I've caught some of the preseason so far. He, he's mighty skinny. Uh, I think it's going to be a couple of years before he can kind of put on some weight. He's 19. He's a, he's a, he's a thin guy. Um, but, you know, just like Durant takes a few years to really get your foot in, very few folks like LeBron can come in as Steph a did too. Steph took a couple of years yeah, to get his yeah. feet under him with yeah. Golden State before he really became the, the just, I mean, the, the monster that he is today. Some meat on the bones mm-hmm. and uh, earned some stripes. But I think uh, – Look, I think they're pointing in the right direction. I think 25, I would, I would take the over on that all day. I'm thinking they're going to at least win around 30 games, and that's an improvement. They won 17 last year, so if they're in that ballpark, they're doing something right. They're heading in the right direction. I mean, they have some players, and they have some veterans on that team that could show them the way in Luol Dang. They got Mozgov, who has played very important games in the NBA. Metal World Peace is coming back for his, I don't know, his seventh stint with the Lakers. But here we are. They got a lot of really good young players, even though the Nick Young and uh, what was the kid's name? D'Angelo Russell little Snapchat beef. I don't know how that works in an NBA locker room, but I really like D'Angelo Russell. Probably not well. Jordan Clarkson's a very good young point guard, too. He gets very often. He gets often. He he often gets overlooked on that Lakers team because of all of the bigger name guys that, you know, especially the, the draft picks like Julius Randle and. Oh yeah, Randall D'Angelo too. Russell, a hell of a player. Uh, that they've had in the last couple of years, but Jordan Clarkson, I can tell you right now, I know how, I know he's been spending a lot of time in the gym in the off seasons, working on his handles, working on his three point shooting. Yeah, pretty unbelievable. He is a good player. So you're sitting there and saying that the Lakers are going to be around a 30 win team? Yes, absolutely. I think I think 30 is realistic, and I think if they can you know get in that ballpark, then they should consider the season a success and a step in the right direction. No chance for the playoffs. It's it's just tough to see. Um, there are some young teams uh, like the Timberwolves. Um, Timberwolves, yeah. That that seem to be a little farther along in the process. Uh, have a little more veteran leadership uh, to mix with the young guys. So I think it's a couple years away. I don't think playoffs are realistic this year, but that's okay. Now the Clippers. Uh, what seed do you see them falling into? I'm glad we got back to the Clippers actually, because <laughs> there's a a certain free agent they got this year. I wanted to bring up. I went to your house one time and I saw a poster above your bed for a uh, one Brandon Bass. Who is a new? A <laughs> is that a Brandon Bass poster? Hold on, hold on. Why the why in the it? fuck would you have a poster for Brandon Bass? Like, like there, I can't even hey, think man. of a more obscure player for a person to have <laughs> hey, a poster man. of. Dude. Sometimes you get gifts and you just gotta rep what you get, man. Like that's that was a solid. Yeah, poster. I got a freaking Paul O'Neill bobblehead when I went to a <laughs> Yankees game that once. That doesn't mean it's sitting on my desk. So wait, so wait you're saying the biggest free agent acquisition for the Clippers was Brandon Bass? How is that going to change their team? Well, I saw a lot of him last year on the Lakers squad, and I think he brings an intensity level okay. to the bench, primarily when he's sitting on the bench versus in the game, <laughs> uh, that I think could really help uh, help the Clippers this year. Give him a little toughness, make him play a little more like Chris Paul and a little less like Cliff Paul from State Farm. You know, really give him some extra boost. Um, so we'll see. I think it's a good addition for him. So you think a three seed for the Clippers? Can they challenge for a one or a two with the Spurs and the Warriors? What, no. Are you kidding? No, they're. they're I'm really asking, not. just asking. I think if they stay healthy, they, a, a three or four seed is possible. I just don't think with what Golden State has going on right now that anybody. 
Well, I, st- that, I still think you. I think you still think you got to look at the Thunder too as a big no, contender in the West. Absolutely Even not. with uh, without Kevin absolutely Durant, not. you think they and lose Serge everything? Ibaka. Dude, they lost eighteen feet of human losing Serge Ibaka and <laughs> Kevin Durant. I'm real. serious. Serge Ibaka is a foul machine who's really no good unless he's great three feet from great the basket rebound. or swatting a shot down. Great on defense. And Russell great on Westbrook rebound. is, I think, a good enough player to lead a team. When he's not being held back by having to pass the ball to Kevin Durant. I think he might win the scoring title, but I don't think uh, Oklahoma City can match up with even the Clippers and be a contender. I think the Spurs... I love Steven Adams, I just want to say. I think the Spurs <laughs> do fall off a little bit. For some reason, I see a lot of locker room mojo that's bad in there, even though Greg Popovich might be the Bill Pop Belichick of the happen. NBA. He is, I understand. and it won't let it But happen. Tim Duncan's not there anymore. It's a new team now. you got to sort of adjust to the new players. What do we got, TJ? Let's get our, because we did Super Bowl picks at the beginning of our NFL podcast. Let's do our finals picks right now. What do you got for the finals, my man? Are we going to have a trilogy here? Are we going to have Golden State versus Cleveland again? Uh, I would think so. And, um, yeah, I'll say Golden State and Cleveland again. And I will say Cleveland and six. Cleveland and six. Dangles, we're shooting it over to you. What do you got for your NBA Finals matchup? That's, that's a tough one. I also think we're going to have the trilogy, but I think it's going to be Golden State in seven I think uh, I think Steph is mad I think Kevin Durant is a huge addition to this team you like that patchouli addition huh it's Zaza Pachulia, <laughs> one of my favorite former I'll Atlanta put Hawks over the top this year. almost yes. as good as Brandon Bass no I think it's I think I think the Warriors win it in seven uh, then they'll deny a LeBron two championships in a row hey man I've I've uh, never been more of a fan of LeBron than I am in this very moment I think he might be the greatest athlete ever to play in a sport ever I think he's that good and he's so young still like yes he's logged a lot of minutes but he's so young still I think we see Cleveland Golden State again and I think LeBron wins again although i will say watch out for my celtics watch out for al Jalen brown baby watch out for Jalen brown is gonna be a player already has an nba body unlike a brandon ingram i think those celtics make some noise this year and i will say right now my hot take right now is watch out for those philadelphia 76ers okay. because if ben simmons comes back and they actually play him and they're in a standing to play him i think philadelphia honestly sneaks into the eight or seven seed with that young roster and Joel Embiid and all those big guys, one of them is going to get traded and they're going to get a, a player out of that trade. So I'd say if I had to put money on it, Philadelphia 76ers make the playoffs. So you're saying trust in the process. Trust the process, baby. Okay. It has to work out, man. All those lottery balls, those ping pong balls have to fall your way It doesn't way ever have to work out. Have you seen the Cleveland Browns lately? Oh, yeah. They yeah. trusted the process for years and years and years. And what, have they been through 20 quarterbacks and they're still going through them right. faster than, you know, we go through underwear on a daily basis? you got to pick right. There's a lot of good players on Philly. They don't all fit together, but they will with one or two trades. And uh, that's it, guys. Left Coasters, that's it for our NBA rundown. TJ, we're going to kick it over to you for the take two, give your thoughts on the Panthers, and then do you want to stick around and make some picks for next week? I'd love to make some picks. All right, here we go. Make some picks. Thank okay. you for being here, TJ. That was our NBA breakdown, and uh, let's move forward with the NFL. As always, baby, ram it. Ram it. All right, guys, here we are in our take two segment, and this is when one of us takes time to give two minutes on our team that we grew up enjoying. And since we have our guest TJ here, we're going to shoot it over to TJ for a little take two on the Carolina Panthers. TJ, take us away, buddy. Where are you standing? You know, it seems like a lifetime ago that Cam Newton was in the end zone doing his dabs, dancing it up, leading us to an MVP caliber season, 15-1 and record. It just seems like eons ago, and you know, while we have stumbled immensely out the gate, stumble might be an understatement. I think there's still a slight sliver of hope left on the horizon. The sun is setting. We still got a little more light to get a couple more innings of the game in. Uh, 
a few positives I'm looking at as I look over the, the first few weeks of the season. A lot of these games that we lost were mighty close. I mean, we all know what happened that very first game, opening night against Denver, missed field goal. It certainly seems like our a lot of our season has been predicated on that missed field goal. We got flat out beat by Minnesota. There's no question in that. Uh, we got flat out beat by the Falcons, but at the same time, Julio Jones and Matt Ryan had career games, and when that happens, there's not a whole lot you can do. Our secondary is in trouble. Um, but to New Orleans and Tampa Bay division games, we barely lost. Three-point games in both of those. So looking at the division, looking at the rest of the schedule, uh, I, I still think there's a little bit of a chance that we could do something and make some noise. Um, surprisingly enough, although the win-loss column wasn't the same as it was last year, Cam Newton's numbers were very similar to where they were at this point last year before he really went on a tear and, and solidified himself as an MVP. So I think, you know, I think this bye couldn't have happened at a better time. We're really going to get a chance to hopefully reorganize, reevaluate, shed kind of that bullshit, you know, swagger that we thought was going to maintain our our grid energy and keep us winning this year. Get back to basics. Hopefully, we can turn this season around, do something good with the remainder of it, and uh, I still think there's some chance. So uh, that's where I'm at with it. All right, you think Carolina can make the playoffs this year? I think it's possible. Anything's possible. Uh, is it likely? Maybe not. But our division is a dumpster fire as always. So I think uh, I think there's a chance. All right. That's your take two on the Carolina Panthers. Next, we'll be doing our picks, guys. Brian, get back here. New leader in the clubhouse. Ram it, baby. And welcome back, Left Coasters. We are here to break down week eight and give our picks. Uh, my name is Tony Cavallo. I'm here with Matt D'Angelo, Antonio, and Brian Balzarini. And we have our guest, TJ Worth, of making some picks this year as well. Uh, this, this week as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, if you have any questions or want to want us to talk about certain topics, please send an email to leftcoasterspodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram on the Left Coasters, and we have a Facebook page, so like away, baby. Uh, I will say, guys, last week I did not have a good week. Dangles and I finished at 7-7. Seven and seven. Brian, 10-4, and four, buddy, last week. Congratulations. Pat hey, yourself on the back. A, that's a big Best week, week for you, yet. sir. I felt good. When I started seeing the, the scores on the bottom of the screen when I was watching the Detroit game, I was like, Ooh, it's, it's Ooh. a killer. When I watched Indianapolis start pulling away, and, and that, I was like, oh, man, this is this week's going to look good for me. Yes. So then that means for the season, Matt is still three games under 500 at 43 and 46. I am now in uh, second place. <laughs> wow. It's all right, buddy. We, there's plenty of time left. Plenty of time left. I'm awesome. now in second place at 49 and 40. Still pretty respectable. And Brian takes the lead midway through the season at 51 and 38. Congratulations, Brian. And TJ, uh, you, you got some competition as well. We have, we've had one guest host so far. It was Alche. He went eight and seven in his weekly picks. Who was that? That was Alex Alche, who went eight and seven. Never heard of him. Okay. All right. Well, you, you're going to beat him. I got no. I got faith in you beating him this week. So, Brian, take us down, buddy. Let's do these picks. All right. Let's start off with a Thursday night game. Jacksonville at Tennessee. Why the fuck is that on Prime TV? <laughs> Woof. Why are we even talking about that on Thursday night is the real question. Like, I understand you have to give each team a primetime game, but how, I don't think the Jags-Titans game is going to save the ratings problem. Why that was NFL. even a consideration at the beginning of this season, regardless of where they're at right now, is beyond me. Well, uh, let me get the ball rolling here, gentlemen. Uh, if there's one thing I know almost as well as I know the New England Patriots, it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. And if there's one that thing know. I know about the Jacksonville Jaguars, <laughs> it's that they know how to lose. They know how to lose games that Blake they Bortles should win. Bad. Blake Bortles looks fucking 
fucking terrible. Where is Allen Robinson? No running game. They couldn't find Allen Robinson or Allen Hearns on Sunday for for anything. Julius Thomas caught a touchdown for the first time in like 40 years. I think the Tennessee Titans win this on the back of DeMarco Murray and a solid running game and offensive line. I'm with you there too. I'm with the Titans, Brian. I'm going with the Tennessee Titans as well. TJ? Titans all day, baby. Oh, everybody. Wow, sweep. Next, uh, we have the London game on Sunday morning at 6.30 I will not be waking up for this bullshit. No, absolutely not. It's the uh, Washington Redskins at the Cincinnati Bengals. You won't be waking up for this. This is the most interesting game they've had in London. Really? Yes. You think? I woke up for the it's Rams not, game last enough for week, me. and I was, I, was, I was not happy about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, that was a terrible game. I think Washington and Cincinnati plays a good game, but guys, I'm picking Washington to win this game. I think that offense is for real, and I don't think Cincinnati has what it takes to beat them. This is a must-win game for Cincinnati, I think. Very they much absolutely so. have Very to win so. this if they want to still contend in their division at three and four. Uh, this is a team they absolutely can beat because if Kirk Cousins has a crummy day, there's absolutely no way that that team wins this game. And if Josh Norman, I don't know if he's going to play again. He went out with a concussion last week. I don't know what his status is for this week. If he doesn't play, if AJ he Green's doesn't scary. play, yeah, especially, I don't know if you guys saw, he made a catch, uh, a one-handed catch last week that <laughs> rivaled that, that rivaled Landon Collins' pick six for the play of the year. If Josh Norman's gone, they don't have anybody who can but, keep up with but A.J. Don't, Green. But don't count Washington out because Washington's got a heck of a defensive line. They're, they're, they're causing a lot of problems. Ryan Kerrigan's having a great year. That defense isn't bad. It's what's keeping them Ricky in the game. So who do you pick, uh, God, I'm going is... with the Bengals if that wasn't clear. We got no, you. No, we got you. Um... <laughs> I'm going to go with the Redskins. Uh, Redskins. TJ? Sensi. All right. Two oh. and two. Next, we have the Cardinals at the Panthers. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? Yeah, watch yourself on this one. TJ, we'll let you go first, Please, buddy. Who, who wins Panthers at where they? What's the game? It's at Carolina, and they're playing the Cardinals. Cardinals at Carolina. We're going to be repping in the Queen City, coming off this bye week, doing some damage, Carolina Panthers. Okay, I figured as much. You know what? I'm with you. And you know why? Because when you have the Arizona Cardinals traveling across the United States without, a, with to me, a demoralizing tie, I, I think Carolina, coming off their bye week, it's going to it's gonna feel good. It's going to feel good. I think Carolina's got it poised to win this good. game. Like there that. was a lot of quotes from that uh, Arizona locker room that said this felt like a loss, and it, it, I'm picking how, Carolina how, for that reason. I think Arizona really demoralized from this. Absolutely. Carolina coming off the bye, they're going to kick it in a high money. gear. I still don't think they're in the playoffs, but Carolina, I think, wins I this I think game. it falls on the shoulders of Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis to stop David Johnson and the Cardinals' run game because that's the only thing that that offense has going for it right now. The defense looks very scattered. I think Carolina can come in and steal this one away from the Cardinals, who are right for a loss right now and I'm not just saying this because TJ is here I think the Panthers win the, you know uh, what's next funny week. that means uh, Carolina's losing since we're all on Carolina I was going to say yeah, yeah, no, this right. might feel good uh, man, we can all be right every once in a while <laughs> feels good sometimes though yeah keep pounding baby all right, next we have the Lions at the Texans. This will be a good game. Uh, both of these teams. Or a disaster. <laughs> or a complete and total fucking disaster, dude. It's very it's very possible. Both, both these games are with teams that are in the upper middle class of the NFL. Those teams that are not Super Bowl contenders, but they're striving around playoffs. It is in Houston? In Houston. Okay. Uh, it's tough to say, but I don't think Brock can keep up with Matt Stafford in that offense. I think the Lions win this game. Dangles. See, this is tough because if the I think if if the Lions don't put up a bunch of points early, Houston at home could maybe pick away from you a touchdown in the first quarter, a touchdown in the second. If they score, you know, steadily over the course of the game, and Matt Stafford doesn't find Marvin Jones or Golden Tate in the end zone, we know they don't have any threat out of the backfield at running back. So Absent. I mean. 
you know, I think I think the Lions will win, but I think it's because the offense goes off early and puts a bunch of points up, and Brock Osweiler is just too terrible to bring him back. And I think back. you're going to see Lamar Miller have a game. I, cause, yeah. Because every, every week somebody, you know, looking like an MVP. I don't think Brock's got it in him to look like an MVP against anybody, but I'm going to pick the Detroit Lions in this one. TJ. TJ. Welcome to Detroit City. What up? Welcome to Detroit City. Which again means Detroit's obviously going to lose. I was going to say that. Next, we got the uh, Seahawks at the Saints. Interesting. Inter- interesting game. I think the Seahawks can score enough to beat up New Orleans. I don't think New Orleans can play better than the Seahawks defense. Seahawks defense, the, the toughest opponent the Seahawks defense face are themselves. They're constantly bickering with each other, yet they get these plays done. I think Sherman Seattle, does not look good, by the way. Uh, he's he's getting those plays that just don't go his way. Like, he tripped on that big overtime that play. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's a play, Awkward as that's hell. A play Sherman usually makes. I think Seattle turns it around. New Orleans is not not that good. I gave him the gravestone earlier. I'm going with Seattle. This is another uh, a season-altering game, potentially. Right? If the New Orleans Saints win this, it could be sort of the momentum that they need to start getting a couple of wins in a row. But we talked earlier about how good the offense is, how good their young wide receiving core is, and how just terrible their defense is. Defense wins championships in this league right now, and I think the Seattle Seahawks, if they can get out of their own way and not shoot themselves in the foot with things like penalties and infighting in the game, I think they win this against a uh, New Orleans team that is is probably kind of down on itself right now. What do you think, Deej? Uh, so I'm, you're thinking over there real hard. I am thinking. And, and while I'd like the, the Saints to go down, no doubt, to help our chances in the playoffs, I'm going to go who dat, who dat, New Orleans Saints. Wow, going with the division rival. Wow. I saw you thinking because I was thinking the same thing. I, too, am going with New Orleans. Big upset. Well, because, again, I haven't seen C- – like we talked about earlier about not looking like your record. I don't think the Seahawks look 4-1. and one. No, they don't. They don't at all. They and, don't. And Their I think, offense is very, very slow and sad, and they don't have a running game. And the New Orleans Saints have the number one offense. If their defense just shows up a little bit, I think they beat Russell Wilson Seahawks. That'd be that'd be a huge win for New Orleans. I think, and I think they have it in them because that's the NFL, baby. It's, their, going, it's their season. If they absolutely. don't win, their season's over. And, and I don't I'll know give if them my gravestone. If, I, if they lose this week, I will give New Orleans my gravestone next week. I'm calling it. I'm now. with you. I'm with you. Next, we got the Chiefs at the Colts. You know, Indy's won a, ga- won a game last week against the Titans that I picked against Indy. Kansas City seems to be the team that can beat Indianapolis, though. A stout defense and a smart offense. I don't think Indy can light up the scoreboard as they did against Tennessee. I'm going with Kansas City. I'm also going with Kansas City because when Indy is terrible, they are terrible, and they are much more likely to be terrible than they are good on any given Sunday. And and I'm going with Kansas City. Alex Smith looked like he threw the ball, like he could put the ball downfield for once in his life. So I'm going to go with Kansas City as well. Teach. Indy 500, baby, all day long. Wow, oh. Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck, fan in the house. Didn't think you had you know, that Andrew one Luck has here. a book club. That doesn't surprise me yeah, at all. Yeah, Andrew Luck has a book club. Just architectural, throw that Stanford man. Architectural major in Stanford. I have Went no doubt in my mind. Went back to finish his, his uh, degree after he got drafted into the NFL. This is a guy who clearly values his education. There I appreciate go. that. Uh, next, we have the Jets at the Browns. Could this, <laughs> could this be the week? I'll be week? okay to not watch that game, I think. Could this be the week? This could be the week. It's, it, now, now, I think I said now, that hold last on, week. Now, hold on. Let's, let's, let's recap this here. The week. I, picked, I picked the Titans two weeks ago to uh, fall to the Browns. That didn't happen. Tony, last week, I picked have... Bengals to fall to the Browns. That didn't happen. 
Brian, this week, are you I'm doing it. going I'm to do go, it? I'm going to go Browns. I'm going to go Browns. I, I, You know what's so fascinating about the Jets right now is that when— Who's quarterbacking them next week? Well, Ryan Fitzpatrick at the press conference made it sound like his, his dog died. Oh, yeah. The owners don't what? trust me. Like, the coaches nobody don't trust, trust me. me. Like, you just want a game. Why can we just talk about something positive for half a second? You can go back to the locker room and cry if you want. But Jesus Christ, when you're standing up at the podium, it sounds like you just won a fucking NFL game, you Harvard graduate. I'm going with the Browns. Listen, uh, Kevin Hogan, he might be able to run— the ball and he looks athletic but he's not an nfl quarterback and if they bring back josh mccown he's not an nfl quarterback if, Tr- uh, uh terrell Pryor, who's who's been a godsend for cleveland this year has a hamstring problem i don't think he can play the same way i i hate the jets and i think the new york jets win this game i also hate the jets and i also think the new york jets win this game i can't wait to be right tj I hope what you, you are thinking? i hope you are i got one question what can brown do for you <laughs> Love it, TJ. Also Cleveland. All right, TJ, we're, we're we're getting we're getting joined at the hip here, man. You and I are either gonna fly or fucking <laughs> fall through the earth. Uh, next, we have the Patriots at the Bills. Yeah, the Bills uh, oh. are the only team to beat the Patriots this year. This game is Easy. in Buffalo, though. They're gonna spank the shit out of the Bills. <laughs> Tom Brady circled this the day they beat Jacoby Brissett. It's over. Okay, Brady by fifty. I don't doubt Brady, my wow, boy Brady. that's big. Yeah, no, I, I don't doubt my boys either. I think they win this week. I think Brady has another fantastic game. Uh, he's 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 great. I love him. What do you think of He's so great. Buffalo Soldier. Oh, my God. No chance in hell. No chance in hell. Now I just think you're doing it intentionally. Sean McCoy out. That was their last chance they Absolutely. had of beating Alch- the Patriots Alch- again, whoever you are, your lead is safe. Uh, next, we have the Raiders at the Buccaneers. Raiders at Bucks going across the in, uh, in Tampa Bay going over the flyover states. What this will think? be a fun game to watch. I will say that a lot of scoring. Yeah, a lot of scoring in this game. Take the over. I think Oakland wins this game. I think that offense is better than Jameis's offense. That's ooh. This one's this one's got something. This is to it. this is very this is very difficult. Um, especially because you know the the Bucks are without a running back right now. Even though Jacquez Rogers yeah, has Rogers, looked yeah. has looked good, but I mean you there you just still you notice when Doug Martin is missing. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to pick the Buccaneers to upset the okay. Oakland Raiders this week, I think. All right. All right, Teach, what do you think? I, I'm, I'm kind of still thinking about this one. I'm sitting by the dock of the bay. Raiders, oh, baby. Oh, nice, baby. I'm going to go with the Raiders, too, just because I think uh, Khalil Mack is he, – he showed up last week. He's been consistent, but he's, he showed up last week, and I think that makes Jameis Winston a little nervous. Dangle stands alone. Next, we have the Chargers at the Broncos. Are we in the afternoon now? This is one o'clock. Yes. Yeah. So yes, that was Tony. that was a slate of early Broncos games. Broncos have already lost to the Chargers once this year. Yeah. I uh, the San Diego man. I gave them the gravestone in the first week, and they've done nothing to show that they deserve that gravestone. They they are in every game that they play. I gotta say it. San Diego's winning. San Diego. Like, I winning couldn't keep. Brian. I couldn't wait till. I couldn't wait for you to finish that sentence. Like, I don't. I don't. Be. I don't agree with that. I think the Broncos win this game. I don't agree with that either. I think that was a hiccup when they played San Diego the first time. I think they beat San Diego this time. Teach. Uh you stay classy, San Diego. Yeah. <laughs> and you know why? When Phillip Rivers is 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 on his game and that defense, Bosa, man. Bosa did it again. He's actually a real player. Bosa did it again. He is a real player. I know we made fun of him, but look the exact opposite of the LA Rams. They look like a team that believes they can win every yeah. game they're in. I just believe it. I believe it when I see him. They look like they're ready. And Melvin Gordon is showing the fuck up. Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, for this that. past week he did. He had three touchdowns, I think. Yeah, yeah he huge. looked awesome. It spelled so. my doom in fantasy, but forget about Danny Woodhead, guys. Well, he's dead. He's dead. He's dead. 
He broke his leg. They in the pulled second, him out on a stretcher week. like two weeks Forget ago. Forget about Danny Woodhead, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's why is the NBA guy? All folks. right. Next, we have the Packers at the Falcons, which, who, by the way, should go back to those old jerseys. They looked really good this week. The Falcons, they went all black. Oh, you mean the Chris yeah. Chandler all yeah. black jerseys that they those had from like Jamal that, Anderson that, and the yeah. Dirty Bird? Those get, are sexy. Get rid of those those newer jerseys. That I look, love their new jerseys. Ah, I think they're, I think they're I think they're great. The old the old jerseys are kind of boring. All right, so Packers Falcons, who you got? Tony? I got I'm uh. I think this is a game that's going to be a lot like the Dallas Green Bay game, and that Green Bay just shows that they don't match up with the class of the NFL. I think Atlanta wins this game very, very sadly. I think uh, Atlanta also wins this game. Uh, the Green Bay is still kind of trying to struggle with their running game and figure this out. And Atlanta's coming off of two really rough losses uh, the last couple of weeks. I think they're hungry. I think Matt Ryan probably throws for 450 yards, and Julio Jones has a big day. No. Not going to happen. You're shaking your head over there. No, the whole I don't time. see that happening. And here's why that division sucks. I can so see the Falcons at the top of the division Who right cares? now. We're talking about the team. Yeah, but I, but, but again, I think a theme in this season for me is I think there's superior, superior divisions. And I think the Packers have played superior teams and have played. And I think Aaron Rodgers, because he's Aaron Rodgers, is ready to play again because that offensive line is 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 looking great. The last time Julio Jones played against, again, it was Sam Shields covering him. He had over like 250 pads. It was a Carolina game again for Julio Jones. No one on my team can cover that man. Great, but you know what? I I just think if they if they get enough pressure on him on on on, on uh, Matt Ryan, and I think it's very very possible. Tevin Coleman, they 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 don't still they, the best rush defense in the NFL. My Green Bay Packers, absolutely. But Tevin Coleman for the Atlanta Falcons is hurt. And yeah. he was putting up most of the numbers this past. If week. only they had another running back that they could turn to, who was like a Pro Bowler or something last year. It doesn't matter, know, but that's I, I don't think Devonta plays a good game. No, Devonta My, doesn't play a good game without Tevin. But Coleman. I think Julio Jones kills me. He's gonna I, kill me. I, TJ, I, break the tie, buddy. What do you think? I don't have a clever way to reference the Packers right now. So I'll just say <laughs> that I think I think the Falcons are gonna continue to lose games, and they're you know you hate the Falcons. They're a fraud. You so I'm going to say Tony Cavallo and the Green Bay Packers win this one. And Matt Ryan is 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 good for looking clueless at least halfway through the season every year. So I, that's that's another point to think about. But next we have the Eagles at the Cowboys. This is the Sunday night 530 game. This is a great game. This is a great this game for Sunday game night. Of the week. This is the ratings winning game right here. I uh, will be watching this Sunday absolutely. night Absolutely. And, sure. and who hosts? It's Dallas? Dallas. All right. Biggest stadium out there, man. Philly at Dallas. Damn. This is really difficult. Are you picking Philly? Here's the thing. Dallas is coming off the bye. Dak Prescott starting? Yes. That's the... I think Dak Prescott is going to have a game where he makes enough mistakes that Tony Romo plays the next week. Off the bye week? I think they lose this game to Philadelphia. Okay. All right. Sorry, Danny. Calls it. All right, Daniels. We okay. Got. Well, I have a little different take on it. I think, remember when we talked earlier about how Bill Parcells said that you're not always what your record says that you are. I don't necessarily think that the Minnesota Vikings were as good as their I records agree. say that they are. I think Sam Bradford has done very well at making do with what he's got in terms of weapons offensively because he's missing his all-pro rusher. He's been missing Stephon Diggs the last couple of weeks, and he's not even a guy that you can put the game on the shoulder of so I don't think you put as much stock as maybe as you you might otherwise in the Eagles win over the Vikings and for that reason and because Ezekiel Elliott is one of the best rushers in the league right now and that MVP offense candidate. is just clicking on so many levels I'm picking uh the Dallas Cowboys plus Des Bryant says he's going to be back next week and I think he's going to be ready to play he's got to be ready to play I'm going with the Cowboys too I just don't know if you go into Dallas after a bye week with the preparation they've had 
and and Philadelphia not looking great. Like they they just don't look. They played an ugly game. Against yeah, Minnesota. they don't look good. I I just and I think the Cowboys beating the Green Bay Packers the way they did. I, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. So I'm going with the Cowboys. CJ. It won't be the uh, only time in the next few weeks you'll have to pick from the lesser of two evils. But I will go ahead and say that as much as I hate the Dallas Cowboys, I'm going to pick the Dallas Cowboys. All right. right. Last but not least, the Monday game is the Minnesota Vikings at the Chicago Bears. That's pretty last. It is, but you can imagine that was probably a good pick at the Matt beginning Barkley, of the season. Matt Barkley, I mean, An is Jay Cutler game. Jay coming Cutler's back? coming back. Jay Cutler's coming back. I, it's Minnesota. Minnesota. No fear in my eyes uh, picking Minnesota. Yeah, I'm still picking Minnesota as well. I've I'm seen, still picking Minnesota, I've seen too. nothing from the Bears to suggest that they could beat a team with a defense the likes of Minnesota. But Deej? Any love for the Bears over there? Nah, Minnesota. <laughs> Clean and simple. All right, guys, that was the schedule of the week. Next week's going to be an interesting one with the final uh, tally. It's oh, gonna, yeah, we're very different we're this very week. Different we're this very week, different this week, so things are going to look really special next week. TJ for showing up, buddy. Thank you for your NBA countdown. We'll have you on in the future as well. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. It for the Rams uh, podcast. We are the Left Coasters. My name is Tony Cavallo, Matt D'Angelo, Antonio, Brian Balzarini. You can reach us at email at theleftcoasterspodcast at gmail.com. The Instagram is the Left Coasters Podcast. The Facebook is the Left Coasters Podcast. We'll be adding more and more to this podcast as the season goes along. We know you guys like it so far. You just said podcast like eight times. Uh, there's a lot of podcast titles in our in our page names. There's nothing we can do about Nobody's that. Nobody's going to forget what they're doing <laughs> listening to this. That was the idea. But yeah, thank you very much, guys. And as always, ram, ram it. Ram it. Ram it. Get ready, race fans, because the ultimate NASCAR experience is about to hit the airwaves. Welcome to Pit Pass NASCAR, the podcast that takes you deep into the heart-pounding world of NASCAR racing. Join us each week as we bring you closer to the NASCAR action with exclusive interviews and all the news and rumors you need with your favorite drivers, team members, and industry insiders. So whether you're a fan of super speedways, short ovals, or road racing, or you've just watched Talladega Nights, Pit Pass NASCAR is the podcast you've been waiting for. Get ready to fuel your passion for NASCAR like never before. Subscribe now to Pit Pass NASCAR on your favorite podcast platform or head to evergreenpodcast.com and get ready to join us. Launching in the fall on Evergreen Podcast Network. Follow us on social media at pitpass underscore NASCAR to stay up to date with everything you need to know about the podcast.